Hello, and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, joined today by two good friends, Mason from Buffalo and Bradford Sonnenberg, all the way up there in Alberta, Canada. Boys, nice to have you back. Last week, some schedules didn't quite match up. How have both of you been? This this is going to be a uniquely challenging episode of the End Zone Podcast, as since we last spoke, very little NFL news has actually transpired and happened. I know I heard something that I kind of disagree with, honestly. I was listening to the Bill Simmons show and they were like, man, every day it seems like something exciting is happening in the NFL. I, I would so wholeheartedly disagree. I think this is one of the more boring off seasons, at least for start to it, that I've experienced over the past like two to three years. I feel like not a lot of things of note have happened. And like even the big thing, like the Aaron Rodgers stuff, like that that hasn't even officially happened yet. So like what what are we doing here, guys? It just feels like we're kind of in the desert for NFL news. I'm sorry, Eric. Is the Kyle Trask Baker Mayfield quarterback competition not doing it for you? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well. Uh, I've had a very crazy couple of days, but currently... Uh, you may notice my setup is a little weird here with the camera. My laptop is absolutely cooked. Like, it's working, but the display gone. So currently I have you hooked up to a TV in the top corner of my desk. I really got to figure this out before uh, tomorrow morning when I have classes that I need my laptop for. But we'll we'll cross that bridge uh, when, we, when we hit the river. Uh, I think I'm doing good, though. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty well, and I mean, come on, is not the will-they-won't-they relationship between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson not just riveting soap opera-esque drama? Yawn. I'm over it. (laughs) I'm completely over it, to be completely honest with you. That that whole storyline, let's just move on with our lives in that retrospect. I, uh, I have absolutely zero interest in that because it feels like we're heading nowhere fast once we get an actual offer then maybe maybe i'll care a little bit more but until then it just feels pointless i have a story of relevant note to this program from last night that i thought you might find kind of funny okay great last night okay i was hanging out with a couple of friends here we were having like we were watching the oilers game we were making some tacos and some milkshakes it was a nice day and afterwards we were trying what a to find combination. a YouTube. Uh, hey, it worked. We were trying to find a specific YouTube video that my friend and I had made years and years ago back in our hometown, right? So we were searching up like our names on YouTube, okay? And when you search up my name, there's like some name. random clip of this show that you uploaded. It's like a minute and a half of the Zoom call. I think it's from right before the Super Bowl, right? And it's like a little clip of a, of a Zoom call of us, okay? And my friend was like oh what's that and they and they clicked on it okay and it was like it was like us three and yb and literally the first thing that he said he he pointed directly at mason he's like that dude's mustache is fake right what's well, one of those <laughs> mustaches he's like why is he wearing that? and i'm like no man that's real but then i started thinking to myself how do i know it's real i feel like I feel like I've just accepted in blind faith that the mustache is real, but now I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to wonder. Perhaps I was I was misled. Maybe some things really are too good to be true. So I have to ask you, Mason. Can you can you prove like a good mustache tug that it is 
Oh, that's a pretty stuck-on mustache. Yeah. It's stuck on there. Uh, I will admit, uh, the mustache actually did come about due to a fake mustache. I was at a child's birthday party, and they were handing out fake mustaches, and I put one on that looked very similar to this and wore it around for the afternoon, just looking at people going, like, I could do this, right? I could and do this. And my wife goes, no. And then the next thing she knows, I have a mustache. So here we are. <laughs> it's a beautiful mustache. It's one of the greatest mustaches in the game, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, my my weekend, my week's been pretty, you know, lackluster. I went to go see our the Salt Lake's MLS team, Real Salt Lake, Baysock. Uh, so that's that's just another thing to be sad about. Uh, the NHL that's going on. We might touch on that later in this episode if if we get really bored. But I wanted to first ask Bradford. Uh, I can tell Bradford didn't listen to the last podcast episode. Uh, Brad, because... Okay, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's a mischaracterization. Because I if listened he did, to it, but I fell asleep. I was listening to it as I was falling asleep, and I did not recall any of it the next day. But I yeah. did listen to it. Okay, because if he did listen to it, he'd be coming out of the gate swinging because I said some some disparaging things about the Chiefs. Uh, and I expected that you did. I, the thing is, I, I've already lived through this cycle with you one time, and I've decided I'm going to let you have like your few months of Broncos delusion before it gets ripped away from you in hilarious fashion. I'm not, I'm not going to – listen, listen. I am at a place right now in my sports fandom of utter peace, okay? The Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. The Denver Broncos are not. There's nothing you can say to me, you know? Yeah, uh, so my, my my main contingency was, uh, as we get into NFL talk here, that the Chiefs are losers this offseason because no more Juju Smith-Schuster. They downgraded at left tackle. They lost their right tackle. They just made a lot of moves that they didn't really have to move, make. And, like... They let McCole Hardman walk, and it's just kind of like, okay, so are you really going to bet on Kadarius Tony being your number one next year? I ask you, are you really going to bet against Brett Veach at this point? I mean, how long, how many times do you need? Here's well, I mean, Kadarius Tony has not with... stayed healthy for more than five no, 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 no. But they're not done or... yet, I don't think. And honestly, I think at this point, Okay, I expect Sky Moore to step up a little bit. I will think you will get a little bit more of Tony this year because they didn't trade for him until partway through the season. I expect him to miss some time. That's just the thing there. I don't know if I agree necessarily. Like the the offseason isn't going quite like as I think a lot of Chiefs fans expected, and I think they could have done some things differently. I don't know if I necessarily hate letting Orlando Brown Jr. walk. That dude, straight up the most overrated tackle in football. Like the Pro Bowl nods, kind of a joke. Dude was such a liability this year and sometimes like and like people point to like his player performance. Listen, all those people on Twitter that you see like, oh, a chip block merchant. They're kind of right. Low key. Like they were getting like Jarek McKinnon to do his job for him half the time. I, I wouldn't say it's a slam dunk offseason, but considering this offseason contained a Super Bowl parade, it's hard to be too down about it. You know, like they I think, just didn't I think, improve. I think they will improve on nature of a team full of an intense amount of rookies getting older and a team stacked full of rookies won the Super Bowl. And now those are guys are no longer rookies, right? The one thing I'm a little concerned about is Sky Moore didn't really even show flashes last year. I think he did. I think when Sky Moore got targeted, he almost always did something. He barely got used. That's the thing. Like 
they they barely used him. They kept him basically in the back pocket all year. But I feel like he stepped up in the playoffs. And also, when he was called upon, he did. So I trust that in a bigger uh, role, I think he could do more. And you don't even know. We haven't even begun on the Justin Ross uh, smoke that I'm about to spew over the course of this this uh, offseason. Justin Ross, I think, can step up into this Chiefs receiver room. If you don't remember who Justin Ross is, he was a very highly projected receiver from a previous draft, had some like weird bone neck back issue that caused him to go completely undrafted, and it looked like he was never going to be able to play again. He got cleared to play. The Chiefs signed him back and forth on whether or not it's a good idea for him to play. I don't know, but the point is he probably would have been a first-round receiver a couple years ago if he was healthy and didn't have this condition, and he looks like he's in good condition. You throw that guy in the room? You throw Sky Moore in the room? You throw Kadarius Pony in the room? I don't know. You throw, oh, guess what? Travis Kelsey in the room? And who's throwing to him? Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's going to be okay. Listen, everything's going to be okay. Counterpoint. The last wide receiver with hype with the initial J and Ross was never healthy ever in his entire career. I think, I think you just, at, at a certain point, I think Brett Beach... And the Chiefs organization, Adderall, Andy Reid, all of them, they deserve to be given in the benefit of the doubt in these situations. The offseason is not done. I think there's a curious upside to a lot of these moves. I don't know. I'm The one move that I'm not sure about is with safety. Like, I don't know. Like, Brian Cook played all right down the stretch. I don't know if I like him being penciled in there. Uh, but overall, like, losing Thornhill kind of hurts. But... Overall, I would say this offseason has been kind of meh. Like, I, I won't I won't try and argue that it's like a slam dunk. But I think more is coming. And honestly, I mean, when are you going to have, have faith? you got to be a believer, man. All right. I mean, I think at the end of the day, too, when you're a team that doesn't have, like, massive glaring needs, it's hard to get, like, that slam dunk move that everybody goes, ooh, they did it. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't dump half our tap into Mike McGlinchey. Like things uh, are just well. See, I didn't mean for him to take a shot at you. Well, I, was I wasn't mean. trying. I mean, I mean, my, uh, he's not wrong. Just, I just, I'm saying I wasn't trying to invite that. Can, can we stop with the Mike McGlinchey slander? By the way, like it's not people, very good. People talking like he's one of the worst tackles in the league. That's just not true. Well, no, but he's keeping one of the worst quarterbacks in the league upright. So it's really not really that, that <laughs> is very true. relevant. That is true. <laughs> You know, you guys can hate all you like. I mean, the Broncos made the moves they were going to make. Their line got better. I mean, I, I won't hear otherwise. It was a, an abject disaster last year. Okay, but they're paying. But the thing is, like, it's better. But it just, to me, paying that much money for a mediocre offensive line just feels like well, we wanna, it, it what else were like they supposed to do. They don't have any draft picks. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they should just restart. You know, like go to the NFL and say, hey, it's been fun. I think we just we avoid everything and let's just redo this whole thing. Like, I, I think they're just kind of screwed. Like the structure of the Broncos roster is so cooked. Like, I just don't see I don't see how things work out going forward. But you know what? Hey, you have I don't want to take away Mike McGlinchey from you. You love Mike McGlinchey. You got Mike McGlinchey. That's good. That's good. You got to take these wins. I'll make you a trade. In fact, you can have Mike McGlinchey. I will take. Super Bowls, or I'll take even playoffs. Like we'll make that trip. That's that's all I'm saying. Mason, 
before we get into our exercise by today for today, which by the way is the wheel of teams, where I will be spinning a wheel with all 32 NFL teams on it four times. We will talk about in depth those four teams NFL offseason moves. I did just want to give you both a moment to say who has been the offseason winner thus far, Mason. So, I mean, I don't know that you want to necessarily call them a winner, but in my book, it's a win. I, I like that the Houston Texans have decided that they're going to field a real NFL football team this year. Facts. And they're not just going to show up and just let people walk all over them. Because, like, I'll be honest, if you were mad about one game getting voided between the Bengals and the Bills, how about 16 gimmies from the freaking Texans throughout the year where just a team walks in and knows they're winning a game? Like, come on. So the fact that they've actually went out and signed some real NFL talent, I'm really excited for them. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be great, maybe not even good, but at least they're going to be interesting on a week-to-week basis, unlike the milk toast garbage that was out there last year. Okay. I, my big winner's got to be the Bears, man. That Panthers trade is ridiculous. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, the Panthers might get their guy. That trade is dumb as hell, man. It's like it's it's so much stuff. Like the Bears made out like bandits. They got they got such a great foundation right now that they're building up, and I like a lot of the signings that they made, like bringing in Edmonds. I like I kind of like I kind of like uh, 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 PJ Walker. You know, as like a fallback. I don't know. Some about him in Carolina. I think it might just be the XFL fan in me that likes seeing PJ Walker succeed. But I like that. I like. I mean, they brought in they brought in DJ Moore. Damn, that's a pretty good receiver. Like. Justin Fields is kind of entering uh, this season in almost that no excuses territory. Like, I think he definitely showed a lot of flashes of being the guy last year, but I think this is kind of like his year where it's like, as long as he shows a little bit more of what he showed last year, I think the Bears are like kind of cooking right now. Like, I kind of like what the Bears got going on. I, I like, d- I like. I, I disagree on basically everything you said there. The Bears made a lot of moves <laughs> to go from really terrible to kind of mid. Like, the, like, well, what were the Broncos doing though? What the Broncos doing is with a stroke of genius. It's a stroke of genius. Well, oh, why? Why like, always? Why does this always got to come back to the Broncos? The Bears, well, I just I don't understand how when the Broncos do the exact same shit, it's brilliant. But when the Bears do it, there's support around their young. The Bears got rid of their best linebacker and then overpaid two worst linebackers. Yeah, but that they got they got a pick out of it. I guess. Like an undervalued pick that should. I think they do overvalue middle linebacker, like the contra. But like, I just I like that they're doing stuff. You know, like one of my big issues is bad NFL teams let so much cap just sit there. You know, and the Bears and the Panthers and the Texans this year, they're just like, no, absolutely not. We're just gonna we're just gonna send. Why is it? Let me just ask you this. Why do you think it's a bad trade for the Panthers? Because what the Panthers did, I think the Panthers got markedly better. They they improved their wide receiving core with DJ with DJ Chark now and Adam Thielen. Oh, the and, Panthers the Panthers offseason like signings are great. I just meant the trade in a vacuum. I guess, but they're going to get their guy. Like they're going to finally have like a real quarterback. Yeah, and they're going to give the Bears a top five pick. Which arguably they haven't had since Cam Newton. Yeah, no, I like it. I I like I like the I like the stones to do it, but it just it feels like an insane amount to pay. And I know that's how much these picks cost, 
And I like that Carolina is at least going in a direction, but it just feels like so much assets to give up for a guy when it's like, you don't even like, think of all the stuff the Niners could have done with all the stuff they gave up for, for Lance. Think of all the stuff. Oh, the Chicago bears could have done with all the stuff they gave up for Trubisky. It just, it just makes me nervous a little bit. Whenever I see a team just throwing all these picks out to the wind, when it's been proven time and time again, that these picks are really valuable. Like, it just, it just, it makes, whenever I see a team that's kind of bad, like Carolina, uh, throwing away premium picks, it makes me a little nervous because it's like, what's going to happen with those picks? You know, I like, I like that they did something ballsy, but I really think the Bears won that trade. Like, I think the Bears got a haul, you know, and that's why they're my winner. I'm not trying to tell Carolina as a loser. The whole point is Chicago, I like what they got going on. You know what? I even like Big Bob Tunyon. Robert Tunyon, great player. You know, I kind of I kind of like him as a, as a safety valve in there. Like, I just I like I like all the little the little moves that they've made. Okay, that's fair. I just I disagree on the Bears. All right, let's get to it here. Wheel of Teams. I'm about to share my screen with you boys. Here it is. Oh, isn't that beautiful? This wheel that I spent lots of time on this morning. It. If you look, it does have every NFL team in the league on this on this wheel. What is going to happen is we are going to spin this wheel. I'll pull up the NFL.com uh, free agency tracker. We will talk about the moves said team made and talk about outlook of said team. If it lands on one of our teams, we will talk about that team for a maximum of three minutes and then we, there will be a bonus spin because I, I know that this this podcast we already talk about the Chiefs, Bills, and Broncos quite a bit. All right are, are, are we ready for this grand experiment boys? As I'll ever be. Okay let's spin the wheel. Wait. Oh. The wheel stops spinning. There we go. What what happened? Oh, now it's Uh-oh. Oh. The Indianapolis Colts. All right. Let me stop sharing my screen. Get over to the NFL.com uh free agents list. The Indianapolis Colts. What an interesting offseason they have had mainly clearing cap space for what are we in as a podcast on this great conspiracy theory that's out here? The Colts are one of the teams that wants to make a big swing for Lamar Jackson. I think I think it would make sense. I think okay. You ever hear the the saying that like when people break up, they go for the exact opposite of what they were with before. The Colts have been doing that for several years now. I'm just like snip, snap, snip, snap, you know? And I think Lamar is different enough from the usual patchwork solutions they've come up with that it makes sense to me that they would just, I mean, Ballard on his last quarterback chance. I mean, uh, it makes sense that they would just be like, you know what? Everything we've tried has gone terribly wrong. Let's go in a different direction and let's just go all in on this guy. I think I think I think it's it's logical. 
for them to do. So I, I do believe there's some smoke to it. I don't like it as a landing spot for Lamar. I don't really like what Indy's got going on there, but it makes sense that Indy would do it. Yeah, the the offense got worse. Paris Campbell left and they replaced him with Isaiah McKenzie, which I, I would classify that as a downgrade. Um, uh, wow. No, I'm sorry, Mason. I, no, Isaiah it's probably Mc, fair. It's probably Isaiah fair. McKenzie is like he he got a little bit of a the Josh Allen bump, but he's he's like a fine guy, but like yeah, he's like a fine number three. He's okay. like like he's he's not replacing anyone. And Paris Campbell, I think, has some upside. Um, Ashton Doolin is another guy they're gonna roll out as a part of their wide their wide receiving core is just you know kind of uh, I I don't know like. What's his face is is okay, but who who's their number one? But I'm forgetting his name right now. I think he's overhyped, but also maybe that's because he's had uh, bad quarterbacks. You know who I'm talking about, Mike, not Michael Thomas. Uh, God, the Colts. What what a team for this wheel Pittman. to land on. What? Yeah. Uh, Pittman. Michael Pittman. Yes. Michael Pittman is fine. Very, you know, the analytics community loves him. Like the people who really look at wide receivers are really into Michael Pittman. But I am not so much into Michael Pittman. But maybe that's also because he's never had a real quarterback. The defense is getting older and losing pieces and doesn't look like they've kind of rotated cornerbacks over the past few seasons. They look kind of weak in the secondary. I don't know. I don't know, Mason. The Colts are just a very bleh team to me. Like they don't, they don't stir excitement in me. And in a, a semi wide open division, I kind of view them as definitely a team that if they got Lamar, could compete for the division. But without Lamar, is most certainly not going to win it. Especially if your plan is to roll out Gardner Minshew as your quarterback next year which if the Lamar stuff doesn't work out might be the case behind. And then maybe you, you roll Anthony Richardson in uh, with, with that fourth pick, the Colts, I don't know. Feels like they, this, I, I don't think things are going to end well for Chris Ballard. That's just me. Yeah. It definitely doesn't look like they've done a lot to improve what was already a fairly weak roster in a lot of regards and again just offensively like yeah you can lean on Jonathan Taylor which you should be doing but you got to have firepower or you're relying way too much on like that defensive ball control style that like it can win you a couple games here and there but it's that's I think it just keeps showing it's not a recipe for like long-term season success yeah and people have for years and years always said well look at their offensive line if you look closely at the way their offensive line has actually played over the past three years, every year they've gotten slightly worse. And and it was a real liability for them this year, especially when Matt Ryan was playing. I get that he can't move, but like people were getting to Matt Ryan because the offensive line was not good. And Quentin Nelson is kind of regressed as a player. So he's no Mike McGlinchey. Like I'll give, uh, give you that. Well, he's a guard, so uh, I mean, exactly. That's why he's no Mike McGlinchey. He plays a different but, position. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't no Mahomes either. What, what do you feel about or Matt that? Gay? What do you feel about? No, the no, he's right? not Matt Gay. That's a, that's a they different. They did get Matt game. Gay this off season, so shout out Matt Gay, Utah legend. Got paid. Good for you, Matt Gay. What do I think of the Colts? Well, the thing with the Colts, to me, I I understand they're in a, I'm in the worst division in football, and it's not even particularly close. But like, you throw in Lamar, all right? You throw in Lamar. Do you think that? Do you think that that puts them within the realm of the Jaguars? Because like, I don't think it does. I feel like the Jaguars are kind of better everywhere, you know. And at this point, like. Given Lamar taking like seven, eight games a season off, I feel like I would almost rather have Trevor. You know, I know I, I feel like I feel like the Colts. It's just a weird all-in move to achieve maybe some some like maybe a ten-win season. You know, I, I kind of think it would be better for them to go the young quarterback, build up around him, use the first that you would use on Lamar to bring this guy around in like a very uh, like. Eh, I always hear people talking about Richardson as like like a Josh Allen type prospect where it's like very, very risky but very high upside. Well, what made the Josh Allen thing work? I know the coaching was a big part of it, but also the Bills built up a great support system around it, right? And it's like, what's, what's around Lamar besides – I mean, it's everything you've just been hitting on. I don't know. It just feels like an all-in move to, to win 10 games, and I'm not crazy about those. On the Lamar thing, so the Colts as a whole, I'm just kind of like, yeah. You know, I'm actually with you now that you say that because it's like you're you're right. They put him on there. Yeah, they could win the division maybe if they got lucky and, and stole a couple games from the Jags or something like that. But did you see him winning a Super Bowl like that? I mean, what's no. the point? Was selling no, off your future to just up? be like maybe we hit the playoffs? That doesn't feel like the right choice. Yeah. Colts are in a tough spot right now, but they also have a crazy, maybe a guy who's trying for the, the mantle of craziest owner. Uh, so any, <laughs> li- li- literally anything could happen as, as we, as we discussed, I'm a little bit shocked. They weren't more involved in the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Although I guess Aaron Rodgers probably didn't want to play for the Colts. All right. Let's spin the wheel. Here we go. Second spin, round and round we go. Where it stops, nobody knows. Oh, God, oh. are we staying in this division? All We're right. in the AFC South, <laughs> the Jags. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars. They have had an interesting offseason in that their biggest addition will be the return of Calvin Ridley next year. They re-sign Evan Ingram. They uh, keep Trey Herndon around in their secondary. They signed C.J. Beathard as a backup. But they kind of spent their money last offseason. They're waiting for the draft to kind of add more, I would imagine. The Jags. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is where I'm at on the Jags. They're going to be a very popular team this summer. By July, we are going to get a lot of people being like, oh, man, look at the Jags. They are real AFC contenders. I just completely disagree with that take. I think they need way more than what they have right now. 
I get having adding Calvin Ridley is going to help the offense, but they need another big name player and they need to improve the defense on the back end because Trey Herndon for a while has not been a great cornerback and they just keep rolling him out as their number one. And when Trey Herndon's your number one, you, you're just going to have a very average secondary. I just think the Jags have still a lot to do to build up and be a, a quote unquote contender. I do think they should be viewed as the favorites in the division, but I, I don't view them as an AFC contender. I don't know if either of you disagree with that, but I, I just, I, I don't see them competing with, you know, that chiefs game was only as close as it was because Mahomes was playing on one ankle. Like I, I, I don't, I do not see them somehow stumbling their way into an AFC title game anytime soon. I, I think there are at least three or four teams ahead of them. I mean, that's not too hard to disagree with considering the three teams ahead of them in the AFC, again, really didn't do too much dismantling, still have all their key players kind of ready to roll and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to really surpass them with no big signings. I mean, they, they clearly look like they feel pretty good about what they have already considering all the re-signings and really lack of any big signing. They can still make some moves in the draft and stuff like that, but they clearly didn't go out to get any vets. I think, I think that I get what you're, what you're saying, but also, also imagine Trevor takes like another jump up, you know, and he becomes one of the guys. I feel like when you got one of the guys, anything's possible. You know, and like Trevor was almost one of the guys last year, but he wasn't quite wasn't quite one of the guys. I I, I hear what you're saying, but also, I mean, like, I kind of like that wide receiver room. You know, I, I kind of like what they got going on there. Uh, the, I, I, I think the defense might be a bit of an issue, uh, but, you know, I do think there's a chance that they might just like sneak into an AFC championship game, you know? You, you you might just only have to win like one one game, right? Like you never know, one or two games. Like I kind of like Trevor, you know. That's where I'm coming from. I like him. If he can genuinely take that leap, I mean, that's hard to disagree with because once you have one of those quarterbacks that can just yeah. win you a game out of nowhere, then yeah, you can kind of make whatever play you need, you know. All right, we move on to our next team. Wheel spins and spins and spins. Ah, an interesting team. Ooh. The Washington Commanders. Weeks ago, reports come out that a sale of the team appears to be quote-unquote imminent. The (laughs) Snyders are clearing out from the building. And... The commanders did what you would expect a team that might be sold to do, which is basically nothing. Um, they did not make a lot of moves this offseason, but it does feel like it does feel like they are there. The, the ownership group might be on the way out. They made some nice kind of offensive line moves. They brought in Andrew Wiley, who's a very good tackle, as Bradford knows. And, hey, if your plan next year is to use Jacoby Brissett as a bridge guy to get a draft pick, 
that's not a bad plan. Like, I don't know. Where are we right now on the ownership situation? Let's start with that. Do we think Dan Snyder will be an NFL owner by, let's say, the NFL draft? I don't, I'm not familiar enough with the way the process works to be sure, but he's definitely on his way out the door. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that, I think that at this point, the team as a football franchise making football moves, I think has done a good job, like not letting the outside noise of that really inform what they're doing. So I don't know if it really affects the football side of things that much. Snyder's going to be gone at some point, and I think Washington fans will be a lot happier for it. I don't know if he'll be gone quite that soon. Again, I like Bradford. I don't necessarily know a lot about the process, but I know how much crap Dan Snyder has evaded thus far and still has a team. But he caught so... the thing is he went again. Listen, you can do some heinous stuff, but if you fuck with Daddy Roger, that's that's when it's over for you. And not just Daddy Roger, who, by the way, is getting a contract extension. Congrats. Yeah, to, he is. You are our, our fearless leader, Daddy Rogers. Of course, Daddy, if you ever want to come on this podcast, all you have to do is say the words. Remember that get... time at the draft, Roger Goodell wiped a booger on a disabled girl? Yeah. He's he's such a zaddy, uh, daddy. No, that's not zaddy energy. He wiped the booger on a disabled child. Oh that's my god, that's not zaddy energy. He, he wiped. He picked his nose. He had a big mucus blob and wiped it on the back of a little girl. This guy, I, I don't know about Roger Goodell, but that's not the point. I think I think you can't mess with NFL money. And Snyder, listen, they're gonna mess Snyder with other money. owners' money, not Roger. Yes. Yeah, that's you what I mean. Well, that's Roger, with... Roger's a puppet of the owners, right? Yeah, like, I know. Roger Goodell exists only you can't as a fuck with Jared. Just don't fuck with Jared's money. That's all. That's all. That's, yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all he asks. You can you can get away with a lot of stuff with Jared, but you, you don't fuck with Jared's <laughs> money. So, uh, yeah, the the commanders are interesting. What do we think about potentially them maybe being a team that trades up in a draft? for a quarterback or if they get a new owner before the draft the team that says okay screw it i'm jeff bezos i own the washington commanders i'm just gonna give lamar jackson 300 million dollars guaranteed i love lamar to washington like i actually like that washington it's got a spicy little defense there got some good guys i mean they they gave deron Payne the bag which it's going to bump up that Chris Jones extension by a little bit, but that's okay. That's not relevant to this. I think that uh, you throw in you throw in Lamar, and you got Scary Terry. You got Dotson, who showed a little bit. I don't know. I kind of like it. I feel like I feel like for a franchise that has spent the past 30 years just messing up constantly, I feel like it would be a nice uh, uh, change of pace for them. You know, like we're doing smart things. Maybe they change the name again. Commander is such a bad name. But I, oh, I such a bad name. I think things are things might be going in a good direction in Washington. Indeed. All right, this episode is flying by, so we'll do one more spin, and then I will give each one of you an honorary spin of the wheel. So we'll do six teams, and then uh, we will 
get out of here. Let's see where, where the wheel spins. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. The wheel, the wonderful wheel. Oh, oh we're back in the AFC South, baby. This is an AFC South. Can I just forfeit my pick so we can do the Texans too? Because Jesus. Yeah, I guess we might as well just do we, we might as well just do this and and I'll just be like Wheel of Teams slash AFC South offseason review. <laughs> uh the Titans. I mean, we talked about the Titans a lot last week when Trey was on. They are in a really weird spot. They're giving out contracts where it's like there's not a ton of guaranteed money involved. They're just kind of waiting right now, it feels like to me, for whether they're going to, for really a Derrick Henry offer. Because if they get the right Derrick Henry offer, then I think Ryan Tannehill is on the table. And I think they make some moves before the draft and accept their fate as a team that is truly rebuilding. Do you really think they could get many offers for Ryan Tannehill, though? I think you could get, like, a second or third round pick for Ryan Tannehill. Might not be too bad. There might be a team I think or it's two an unloadable there. contract. Like, I think you would get positive value, but it wouldn't be very much. Like, But I, I think if you decided that that wasn't something that you wanted to deal with anymore, somebody would take him. Like, I don't know. Like, a team like say the Cardinals like the Cardinals kind of need a bridge guy like their plan right now is Colt McCoy next year like they couldn't do a little bit better by having Colt McCoy was retiring nope I don't believe so I believe he will be they got they got they got throw it on a dime like I ain't even trying Trace McSorley though right yeah I think it's Trace McSorley. You know what? I'm high on the Cardinals now. Trace McSorley season, baby. Go on a dime. Like, I ain't even trying. Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley. That's the Titans, to me, until we get – until we see what they do in the draft, are boring. I'm sorry. They're just boring to me. The There's nothing Titans. they could do in the draft to be interesting anyway. I think I think the most interesting thing to come out of Tennessee in the next year will be a Derrick Henry trade. Everything else, they're just kind of like, eh. They might, they might win seven games. Yay. All right, let's spin the wheel again. Maybe we'll get the Texans. Who knows? This has been an AFC South heavy episode. It feels we'll like spin. a Viking spin. And oh, goes. Weird and feeling. goes. Oh, come on. Oh, Do it. Oh, oh, no Chargers oh, for you. Dolphins. The Dolphins. Fantastic offseason. Fantastic offseason. <laughs> oh, they're, really? they're the offseason darlings every year. They do such a good job with it. So we kind of teased this. We kind of teased this. We kind of teased this with, uh, with the Jags. But I just have to ask: Are the Dolphins the fourth best team in the AFC? Who's the other three? If we agree that by far the top of it, (laughs) if we agree that. Five. Never mind. I'm not going to fall for the joke. But um, are they the fourth best team in the AFC? They could be. I think they have the potential to at least be fighting for it. I think that's where it gets pretty unclear, though. I I think it's 
an interesting question, but also I think there's also a question, are they the fourth best team in their division right now? You know, like it's it's tough to tell. Nah, they're better than the Patriots. But like, I don't know. I and feel like Jets. and the Jets. And the Jets. I uh, to sleep me... on the Jets now. Listen, I listen to me. Can I say something? Can I say something that might be slightly unpopular here? That that might be slightly unpopular here. If you take away both quarterbacks, the Dolphins have a stronger roster than the Bills do. That's just something I believe. They have more offensive weapons. They have a better defense. I think they have a better offensive line. And I just believe that if you flipped those quarterbacks around, you would say the Dolphins would be the best team in the division. Now, obviously, that's not the case. And because Josh Allen resides... The Bills have Sean McDermott, though. That's true. But the Bills' defense was not good down the stretch and lost a lot in the offseason. And the Dolphins' defense was good down the stretch. Bradley Chubb is started playing his best football in the playoffs. Jalen Phillips is a young and developing pass rusher. And they just added one of the best cornerbacks in the league in Jalen Ramsey to shore up a secondary that needed a number one corner, basically. And they added Vic Fangio. I don't know. They add Braxton Berrios to the wide receiving core. You've got that. That's a loaded roster, guys. I'm telling you, I think this roster is better than the Bills. I just think if you took away Josh Allen, that we would talk. We would be talking about the Dolphins as the division favorites. I think they've got the best roster in the division, hands down. I think there's some debate on some of those points, but I think that they easily have the top two rosters. Let's let's see if the AFC Bills trade for New easily. Hopkins first. Let's see if the Bills get New Hopkins first before we start saying anything. You know, I feel like I feel like the thing I get the- it, but right now, I mean, what would you rather have, Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs, or Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill? Of course, I, of course, I'd I understand what you're saying. Waddle like, and Hill, maybe, and it's not particularly close. I just don't. I haven't built up organizational trust in Miami yet the way that I've built up trust in Buffalo, you know? And so I Why? think that they've there's a case for shown what they were made the right moves. They've made one year's worth of the right moves, though. They made the right moves last year getting Tyreek Hill. This is two well, straight I mean, years over the span they, of your, Okay, okay, okay. This is two straight years where they've made is, very good roster moves. They drafted I think they very well. I have a case for, for the fourth best, but I. It's, it's hard to sleep on the Bills, man. These are the Bills. The Bills got to, like, I think in the NFL, teams... I'm not saying the Dolphins are a better team than the Bills are. I'm saying if Josh Allen didn't play for the Bills and played for the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa played for the Bills and not the Dolphins, we would be talking I, about I the Dolphins agree. as if, by far the best roster, maybe in the conference. If the Dolphins were a better team, they would be a better team. I agree with you. That's a very good point, Eric. They they are literally only held back by their quarterback. I would put this roster up with the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs. They do have a very quality roster. I think that they could easily be the fourth best team, but again, I think it gets muddy from that point. Like the fourth There's best team of... in the league or in the division, Mason? You division. The sentence. That, that <laughs> I won't. Um... Oh, <laughs> slip over here. Oh, yeah. No. no. 
No, they won't finish fourth in division. There's no chance of that. Don't worry. The Jets and the Patriots will screw that up for themselves. All right. Let's spin the wheel two more times. Bradford, I'm going to give you this honorary spin. Let me just get things set back up here as as we as we as we chat and then we can we can kind of get out of here. Maybe I'll ask Bradford a few questions about the NHL before we head out the door. Here we go, Bradford, honorary spin. You tell me when to go. Do some narrating for the wheel. Five. All right. All right. All right. Our, 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 mouse cursor? Yes. What? You ready? Mouse cursor is about to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel. So the wheel's spinning. It's going around. It's got multiple colors. Makes kind of a nice little rainbow. And we're closing in on the Jets. Let's go. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, not that. Just not that. Oh, Narrowly avoided the AFC South sweep. All right, let's talk about the Jets. Okay, obviously, a lot of the Jets' offseason hinges on a move that has not technically happened yet, which makes them kind of an interesting team because although it seems very likely that they get Aaron Rodgers, there's a little bit of Jets uh, uh, jettingness that makes it a little bit like, oh, I don't know. But I will say this. I think... The Jets have a fantastic defense. I think they have some of the best defensive players in the NFL with uh, Q Williams. And you got, you got, of course, literally the sauce. He's got that sauce, Sauce Gardner, best corner in the league. I think they have fantastic coaching, fantastic coaching. Robert Saul is fantastic. Okay. And I think the offense is also pretty great. I think that, uh, Brees Hall, before he got hurt, was going to run away with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Okay. I don't know why I'm blanking on their really good wide receiver's name right now. I've had a Garrett Wilson. Day. Garrett Wilson. Love Garrett Wilson. Great guy. Great receiver. He's he's uh, a pre-salt weapon. I think Alan Lazard's a nice number two to throw in there. I think that you that you look at the Jets last year. Not to mention say, Nicole Hardman coming off one of the best seasons of his career. The Jet to the Jet. I like it. I like McCole Hardman a lot. Sad he couldn't stick around in KC, although I kind of saw it coming for a while. McCole adds a very nice vertical element to uh, any offense. I think that overall, this is a better Jets team than the one last year, as it stands right now. Okay? And last year, the Jets, it was quarterback that killed them. Oh, who are we going to bring in? Let's bring in Aaron Rodgers. And I understand that he's probably not going to be an MVP-level guy. But he's also not going to be Zach Wilson. And I, I feel like the Jets' defense, I know it's rare that defenses carry over that level of play multiple years in a row. But, like, I'm kind of I'm kind of on board the Jets' bandwagon right now because if Aaron Rodgers, like, really tries this year, which I think it's pretty well understood that he wasn't really giving it his all last year in Green Bay. I think he, he comes in in New York with kind of the mentality of, this is my year, this is my life, I'm going to go all out this year. The team's fantastic. I think the Jets are cooking, and I don't think it's that much of a, of a, of a joke to suggest that they could win this division. I, I kind of like the Jets. Like They're, The Jets, if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, it ends one of two ways. Option A, Aaron Rodgers comes back on a fuck you tour, does as much ayahuasca as he wants this offseason, comes back, says, guess what, losers? I'm still an MVP caliber quarterback. I'm going to throw 40 plus touchdowns 
and probably look better in the regular season than Patrick Mahomes. And we'll be having real debates in December between who's the best quarterback in the AFC because Aaron Rodgers will be lighting the world on fire on a fuck you tour unlike anything else. Option B, a more realistic option. Aaron Rodgers shows up. It takes a little while for them to get going. He he doesn't really mesh with the city of New York. The media starts to get on his nerves. He gets into weird feuds with the coaching staff. And then all of a sudden, the Jets are 10 and 6 and losing in the wild card round. I think that's more likely. I, I, I personally just think we've seen the end of Aaron Rodgers lighting up the league. I think there's a chance he falls off next year, especially if he's that close to retirement. Like the fact he was like, I'm, I was 90% sure I was going to retire. That's concerning to me. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to hear that if I were a Jets fan. And I just think this could end very poorly for him and very poorly for the Jets. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the trade never even happens. Maybe he still retires. Who knows? The Jets are in such a weird limbo spot. But let's just say for a minute that Aaron Rodgers doesn't come and they don't make the playoffs next year. Joe Douglas has to take the fall, right? You can't get rid of Robert Sala. You just can't at this point. Like, he's you've, you've kind of found your guy and you might just need – a new GM to try and take another swing and a miss because Joe Douglas for as well as he did, he was the guy who made the Zach Wilson pick. And that just looks like such a colossal failure at this moment in time. So that's my thoughts on the Jets at least. Anyone else have, have thoughts before we get to our, our, our penultimate team? I think, uh, I think you pretty much hit it with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. I think it, it probably is pretty likely that that's, a little ways how it goes if he does go over there at all. Hey, maybe they're in the Ryan Tannehill sweepstakes if that ends up coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could be in the Ryan Tannehill sweepstakes, which, hey, honestly, that wouldn't be a bad option. If Ryan Tannehill. No, that would be a team that actually might work out. If Ryan Tannehill ended up on the Jets, like, I don't hate that as a playoff team. All right. Penultimate spin here for Mason. Mason, you let me know. Narrate the wheel for us. Ready? Go. And it's spinning in a clockwise motion. Whoa. Some of the colors are look like they're fusing together. There we go. Oh, look at this. We're getting a good one. And it's the Eagles. Uh, yes. Excellent. The Super Bowl champions. The, the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Mm. Interesting. It's... Have they drafted well enough? Because their depth pieces will now have to step up and be their starters with what they lost this offseason. That's just a matter of fact. They're going to have to do that on the offensive line. They'll have to do that on the defensive line a little bit. I like the fact they kept James Bradbury. I like the fact that they, they kept most of the secondary intact. I get losing C.J. Gardner-Johnson kind of hurts a little bit, but I, I still think they're good. I don't know. The NFC is just so weak. I just And they, they still have a top-10 pick. It's hard for me to say anything other than they're still the best team in the NFC, even though the Niners did 
fared darndest with the Javon Hargrave signing. To me, the Eagles are still the clear favorites to come out of the NFC next year. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily all that close, honestly. I mean, they've got a great team top to bottom. They've kept so much of it. They've got the quarterback. They've got a top end draft pick. Like it's it's pretty hard to argue that they're not gonna just kind of continue onward in that trajectory. It feels pretty much inevitable. Yeah, I mean the Eagles, I feel like are are set up for one of those like runs where it's just like they're just gonna be a really good team for a damn long time. And next year is part of that long time. So uh, it's one of those teams that you just trust to bring in the right guys and get it done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, final spin of the wheel of teams. If the wheel is just, we'll get the Texans. Like, uh, there's just no other way around it. If the wheel is just, we will just knock out the entirety of the AFC South. The way I laid this out was obviously every division's kind of sandwiched right by each other. So that's that's a good good hint for the next time we do the wheel of teams. Let before we do our final spin, wheel of teams, good segment segment worth bringing back. What 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 do we think about the wheel of teams? I enjoyed the wheel personally. I like the wheel. Okay, I think if we bring back the wheel of teams, I'll I'll leave it as is, so we don't repeat any of the teams we've talked about, and we can revisit the wheel of teams maybe in a week or two. All right, final spin. The wheel is spinning. Round and round it goes. And we're going to be talking about... Oh! The box. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, my... Here's... Okay. What, like... What is the plan here? Like, I feel like they're... They kind of made moves that they realize they're in a bad, bad, bad division. And they think if things kind of click, they can work out. But my my, my bigger question is this. Why is Todd Bowles still coaching this team? Like that. He, he is just so clearly not cut out to be a head coach and was just so bad at it last year. I don't understand why when – if Tom Brady gave you the perfect opportunity, you just say, okay, we're moving Todd Bowles quietly behind the scenes, resign, like head out the door, take, take a comfy advisory role with Bruce in our front office. Who cares? Let's move on. Let's get a new head coach. I don't know what the Buccaneers are doing. I think that they are one of the franchises in the NFL that I have the least confidence in over the next four to five years. They bought back Levante David. I guess that's good. I guess he'll be a buck for life. It feels like he's ending nearing the end of his career. They bring in Jamel Dean, like, Baker's going to be probably your guy in week one. They've still got some decent pieces. I, I don't, I don't understand it. If the Bucks were smart, they'd, they'd sell at the draft and, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans won't be on this roster 
when we kick off in September. But I, I don't I don't really understand what it is they think they're doing because they, they don't have a good draft pick. They're not getting a quarterback. Like this is this is the Kyle Trask slash Baker Mayfield sh- show. Or are we sleeping on them moving up for a trade or something? I I don't know. I don't I don't fully understand what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are doing just on an organizational level right now. I think they're going into hibernation for another 20 years until they win another Super Bowl. I think they're just kind of done for now, you know. They're, they're is, like cicadas. They just show up every 17 years when a Super Bowl yeah, and disappear. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I, I feel like with Tampa is right now they are in the worst place that you can be as an NFL team, and that is to just sort of exist. Um, they're sort of just floating around, and I don't really think there's any reason to be particularly interested in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the near future. No, they feel like they're on a very t- depressing trajectory of like ten to fifteen uh, for the next you know decade plus of terror, yeah. terrible picks, and and no real help coming to help them. Yeah, I I don't really want to talk about the Bucks. That was kind of a depressing thing for the wheel. To have That's a great way to end the segment. I love it. Have, have the send on, but the Bucks like. What are you guys doing? Like, doesn't doesn't seem like like great great stuff right now. All right, boys. Well, let's hope that some big NFL news happens this week, uh, <laughs> because there wasn't really much this week. Uh, I think we have the owners' meetings this week, right? That'll be exciting. Maybe we'll get some rule changes or something. That that <laughs> might be kind of exciting to talk about. But uh, I think that's it. Bradford, the NHL season is is winding down. We're, we're winding down. We're just starting to heat up, baby. We're getting into the playoffs. Give me, give me three storylines to watch for down the stretch run here. Okay, three stories to watch down the stretch run here. All right, number one. Listen, I know this may sound a little biased right now, but you know me. All right, I'm an Edmonton boy. I I live in Edmonton. I love this city. It's kind of a stupid place, but I also love Edmonton. I love my Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid right now is on pace for a season yeah. that literally has not been had. It, like, he's basically broken almost every salary cap record already as it is. But, like, straight up Gretzky-Lemieux territory right now. Like, he hit 60 goals the other day. That was one of the games that I was at. And there's honestly a believable chance he could hit 70, which is insane. Hasn't been done since uh, McGillney in Buffalo, like back in the 90s. Like, it's crazy what he's currently doing right now. He's going to finish with over 150 points. Insane. I think watching that play out is just like like literally an all-time great season. Uh, Watching him finish that off is going to sweep almost all the awards. Fantastic story. Okay. Another storyline with the NHL. Everybody likes – you know, a little bit of uh, will-they-won't-they they playoff drama. Well, I kind of like what's going on at the bottom of the Western Conference, okay? Because the problem with the NHL playoffs or the regular season is that so many of the playoff seeds are kind of figured out pretty early, right? Like, you just kind of know, like, oh, these teams are going to miss the playoffs. And you you find it out, like, 35 games before the season is done, which makes it kind of boring. But, but... Right now, at the bottom of the Western Conference, so you got the Pacific Division and the Central Division. Pacific Division, you got like Vegas and Edmonton and Seattle, and they're all 
They're all uh, Los Angeles. They're all pretty for real. They're going to make the playoffs. Central's got like Minnesota, Colorado, Dallas, all that stuff. But down at the bottom, Winnipeg, who's been in control of that playoff spot all year, Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville are all just deciding to forfeit all their games. It's like, no, you have the playoff spot. No, you have the playoff spot. Calgary's been a flaming train wreck this year. Hilarious to watch. I think watching that playoff uh, run for the last spot in the West, also very interesting. The last NHL storyline that I think uh, is pretty fun to pay attention to, the Boston Bruins literally right now on pace to have the greatest season in NHL history. Like, what's happening this year, man? It's crazy. Well, like, the Bruins right now, today, uh, hit 57 wins, which is insane. That's, I think, the same amount that the Panthers had last year when they won the trophy for having the most points in the regular season. And the Bruins still have 10 games left. The NHL record for wins, 57 tied the Bru- or set the Bruins record. But the NHL record for wins, 62, Okay. Uh, I believe a mark hit by uh, 90s Red Wings and Tampa a couple of years ago. Boston's going to staple that. This is literally the greatest season a team has ever had. And the storyline gets so much better when you realize everybody picked Boston to miss the playoffs this year because Marshan was hurt and Bergeron might not sign. And even if he does, Bergeron's 38. There's no way Bergeron's going to keep being the best defensive player in NHL history. Bergeron said, fuck you, I'm getting better at it. Pastor Max said, fuck you, I'm going to score 50 goals. Brad Marshan said, yeah, I'm 35 and I just had a major hip surgery. Not a problem. I'm back a month early. The team is rolling, absolutely cruising. Like, the negative energy around this team in the offseason compared to the greatest season in NHL history, crazy. And I think watching all the Bruins games to see if they pull this off, very rewarding because, like, I don't know if we'll ever see a season like this again with this team. Like, what? It's, and it's beautiful because it's not like they're having players having, like, insane statistical outlier seasons this is a good roster that has come together in this beautiful way where it's like it's not like they have like some like runaway mvp favorite or anything like that it's just like the system is just working on a level that no other system ever had and i feel like the greatness factor this season in in hockey the best individual season of all time by the best player of all time that's my boy Connor mcdavid the best regular season of all time by the bruins like wow it's crazy. That's that's my little NHL diatribe. Wonderful. Bradford, final question on the NHL. I give you a hundred dollars right now. Who is your who are you placing your future on to win the Stanley Cup? It's kind of hard to go against Boston, but I'm starting to have the feeling that by the time since the East is a bloodbath, okay, by the time Boston hits the final, they will have, like, have the half their roster dead. They will reach the final, I believe. It'll be a bloodbath through, like, you know, the New Jerseys and the and the, and the, uh, and the Tampas of the world, but, uh, and the New Yorks of the world. But my goodness, like, this is going to be a bloodbath. And I think the Western Conference that everybody always sleeps on, you know, is like, ah, look at the Mickey Mouse Western Conference. What a bunch of bums. All the good teams are in the East. Listen, listen. It's true. The top teams at the West, there's not a lot separating them, okay? You got Vegas, you got Los Angeles, you got – they're all similar records, okay? But those teams uh, are missing just one thing, okay? 
And that one thing is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisel. I'm telling oh you. I'm telling you. God, of course. So why do you do this? Guys, why, why, did, why, why did I, I even ask? The Oilers because the Oilers always mess it up. It's been the story my entire life. The defense this year, pathetic. But then, at the deadline, Kenny Holland, one of the worst GMs in the league. Guys, that guy is just – literally my team has been held hostage by this senile vacuum salesman for years. But – Kenny, Kenny Money, Kenny Holland makes a beautiful trade. He trades for Matias Ekholm, one of the best defensemen in the league. And everything has shifted. Since that trade, the Oilers are a wagon. And I think McDavid will cap off this season with the most coveted prize of all, which is uh, losing to the Bruins in the cup final. It's the Bruins. Like, okay, well. The Bruins. But the Oilers, Bruins, I feel like those are – I would – I would uh, Rip the hundred dollars in two and put one on each of them and hedge my bets. Okay, Mason. I think you and I both know what we have to do here. What do we want from Bradford if the Oilers fail to make the Stanley Cup? Oh gosh, that's that's tough. Because I feel very confident the Oilers will fail to make the Stanley Cup finals. Ooh, I think we're going to have to think on that. And I think when we come back next episode, we should have some uh, ideas. I don't know if I want to put stuff on the line of that, but I'll put stuff on the line of the Oilers will go farther than the Avalanche. No, 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 no. We'll go to the Stanley Cup finals. That's what that's your side of the bet. All right, fine, fine. You know what? I ride. I listen. I ride with the oil. It is what it is. Love Oilers it. Cup Final. I, I honestly, I don't think they beat the Bruins if they made it there. The Bruins are too good. But like, I think that uh, I'll put my, I'll put my mouth where my mouth is. Okay, we'll we'll figure That'll out. That'll be bet. exciting. We'll figure out a bet next time. All right, boys. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back next week. Expect an episode midweek. We'll be talking some draft stuff with senior draft analyst and good friend Ryan Kearney. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weeks. From Tony the Cat in Alberta to uh, and from Mason in Buffalo, this has been Eric Jensen. Thank you so much for listening to the Enzo Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace out.